This is the Lead to Lead podcast, where we explore the realm of leadership through the lens of faith. Here's your host, Leah Haygood. Hey guys, welcome back to the Lead to Lead podcast. My name is Leah and I am your host. And wow, guys, we've we've reached episode 20. It's kind of hard to believe that we're already in the 20s of this podcast. Um, when I started this, I had no clue how long it would take me to get rolling or I really had no expectations other than I just wanted to do it and the Lord has blessed it. So here we are, episode 20, and I'm really excited to share this uh, episode with y'all because this is a live recording of my testimony uh, that I was able to share at my local Celebrate Recovery located in Taylor's, South Carolina at Brescia Creek Baptist Church. And it is... I believe my third time sharing my testimony, uh, uh, the first time was actually with my husband, Jake. Uh, we did a tandem testimony, which is really cool uh, to be able to do uh, a testimony with your spouse because some of y'all may know this, that we were high school sweethearts. Jake was not saved when uh, we were dating. I was, and it was just interesting to see how the Lord had had worked throughout our entire relationship. Um, but this is just a solo testimony, uh, for me. And, you know, after I finished it, uh, it was one of those things that like, wow, this gets easier every time I share it. So, uh, you're going to hear, uh, like what we talked about in the last episode. My testimony is who I was in my life before I met Jesus, when I met Jesus and my life now as I'm walking with Jesus. A lot of the terminology you'll hear is related to Celebrate Recovery. So this will give you a really good insight to what a CR testimony sounds like. But I really hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you're encouraged by it, especially if you grew up in church. You may have a similar testimony to me. But I just hope that this really encourages you. So I'll quit rambling now. Take a few minutes and listen. If you're on your way to work, maybe this will encourage you on your way to work. Um, But this is my testimony. Check it out. I've told y'all before, I'm much more comfortable singing in front of you than speaking, but I will do my best to not talk super fast. But anyway, let let me pray before we get started. Father, I thank you for... Um, my story, even the the ugly parts of it, um, the parts that don't please you. I thank you for it because it showed me that I have a need for you, that you're not just a a trophy or not just something I can accomplish, but that you're an absolute need. Lord, may may you be glorified through my words and I just ask that if, um, if there's one thing in my story that any of these people in here can can receive, that they would because they know that it's you working through me. In Jesus' name, amen. It is an honor to be able to share my story tonight. I hope that Jesus will be glorified and that you will find a sense of hope through hearing my story of how God has shown me his love, his provision, and his faithfulness. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with codependency, control issues, and perfectionism. My name is Leah. I was born and raised in Greer, South Carolina, in a Christian home with Christian parents. More specifically, I grew up here at Brushy Creek. 
My dad was the church pianist for 40 years, and my mom was and still is the weekday preschool director here. My parents had both known the Lord since they were teenagers, and they taught my older brother and I to, to serve the Lord wholeheartedly with the talents and resources that he had given us. I don't think I learned to be appreciative of having that upbringing I was given until I was in college. I now consider myself very thankful and fortunate to have parents who seek the Lord and strive to serve him with the best of their abilities and for teaching my brother and I the same. Around the age of seven, I came forward one evening service here at Brushy Creek. Anybody here remember evening services? Honestly? Hey. <laughs> Um, I was seven years old and I came forward one evening service here at Brushy Creek to accept Jesus as my savior. I did believe that Jesus died and rose again, but I had a view of him as a more of a disciplinarian and someone I needed to impress by doing the right things a Christian should do. Growing up, I was very active in church. Having parents who worked for the church meant that we were at church more frequently than most. However, I still enjoyed coming to church. I was in GAs, that's a throwback before Awana. I played church basketball. I was a three-time Bible Drill State champion. But, hey, <laughs> but the youth group was what I was the most pumped about. Once I got to sixth grade, I was so excited to be a part of the youth group. I went to almost every single youth event Brushy Creek offered. It was also around this time that my codependency started to rear its ugly yet enticing head. I'm a natural extrovert, so, but growing up, I was very self-conscious about my appearance and my ability to make friends. Outside of school, the only friends I had were my brother and my cousins who lived next door. Being the only girl in our little gang, as well as the youngest, I was always fighting for attention and wanted to fit in. Throughout elementary school, I was known among my classmates as the tomboy who played with the guys. I was very athletic and desired to play kickball and pickle rather than with girls on the swings. During fifth grade, I began to be picked on by some boys for some reason that I'm not sure of. In response, I became more hostile towards my classmates. I would conjure up insults in my head to have just in case someone started picking on me or just to feel more superior. I shortly realized that my anger and rash behavior was getting me nowhere. It was then that I came to the conclusion that people-pleasing was my only solution to having friends, and I was determined to not be picked on again. By the time middle school rolled around, my tomboy nature caused me to be overlooked by everyone, at least that's how I viewed it. I had braces, and my outfit of choice was a t-shirt, shorts, and tennis shoes. Sometimes that still is my outfit, and I don't care. I would hear of my classmates getting a group together to go to the movies or Frankie's Fun Park, and I would hear about how awesome it was. It also seemed like everyone was starting to date, like as, what sixth graders would do, which meant you held hands in the hallway and you got to go to the mall along with your parents. But as dumb as that sounds, I wanted that. Everyone was doing that, so I wanted it, and I wanted it bad, but it didn't happen. I can remember countless nights of me crying and thinking to myself, why can't I be a part of that? What's wrong with me? Why don't I have friends? I was determined to fit in somehow. So I started dabbling in makeup, which was completely foreign to me. I started shopping at American Eagle and Hollister, begging my mom to spend a ridiculous amount of money for clothes. I was doing my best to stay current with the popular trends, including what music I listened to, what television shows to watch. However, these efforts to become noticed were all in vain until high school. 
The summer before freshman year, I finally got my braces off, which was an instant confidence booster for me. I remember being so excited the night before the first day of school. I was like a butterfly ready to show off her metamorphosis to the world. And sure enough, my classmates who once ignored me were starting to pay attention, including the man that is now my husband, chilling in the back. (laughs) I had known who Jake was uh, prior to high school. In eighth grade, we were in homeroom together. However, my perception of him was not the greatest. I knew Jake as the kid who always wore black, had scraggly hair, and carried a ginormous Evian water bottle. Seriously, it was a big one. Uh, He would carry it around with him all throughout uh, class. And I also knew him as the best friend of a guy who got on my last nerve. Aside from that, he was just a normal teenage boy from my point of view. Our freshman year, Jake and I had three out of seven classes together. And over the first few months of school, we began talking and eventually became good friends. Jake began to develop feelings for me, but I was not so inclined to return those feelings just yet. But after asking me out via MySpace, it may have a MySpace. Yes, this is a testimony of throwbacks tonight, sorry. (laughs) But after asking me out via MySpace messages and notes passed back and forth in class, I eventually said yes, and we started dating. And then we broke up. And then we dated again, and then broke up again. (laughs) Freshman and sophomore year were the most mentally and relationally exhausting years of our lives because of this spout of breaking up and getting back together, along with the normal high school friend drama within your group. But even through this mess, God had a plan. Shortly after we started dating, I realized that Jake was not a believer. Quite frankly, he didn't want anything to do with God. Jake grew up in a broken home, and his perception of church was a place of rules and regulations run by a bunch of hypocrites. Following his parents' divorce at age 10, Jake began struggling with anxiety, depression, and lack of self-worth. He shared with me that he had struggled with having suicidal thoughts as well as almost attempting suicide in seventh grade. It became very clear to me that Jake was still hurting, which made it very, very clear to me that I'm supposed to put on my superhero cape and save the day by saving Jake. In an attempt to self-medicate his depression, Jake became heavily involved in the party scene, and every weekend was about getting drunk and or high. As his codependent girlfriend, I would come to the parties for two reasons. To keep an eye out on him, make sure he didn't hurt himself, and to feel like I was part of the in crowd, while occasionally partaking in smoking cigarettes and sipping a mixed drink casually. I felt like I was living two separate lives. I was allowing myself to be a slave to people-pleasing and fitting in, while I was supposed to be a slave and servant to God, thus causing inner turmoil in my walk with God and my relationship with Jake. As a codependent, I made it my personal mission to get Jake saved and fix him. So I began inviting him to church, and Jake began to ask questions but was not completely sold on God and Jesus. And in my immaturity, I would attempt to answer those questions with Christianese phrases like, let go and let God, without giving any form of context for what that phrase meant. I wasn't necessarily interested in listening to him. I was there simply to give him the answers he was looking for because that's what I thought my purpose was. This tactic caused arguments and theological debates between us, further driving us apart as a couple. I now understand why Paul wrote to the church in Corinth to not become unequally yoked with unbelievers. This was the beginning of a tumultuous season in our relationship. I was trying to have one foot in the world by dating someone who was not a Christian, and then the other foot in church by witnessing to him. 
I felt like I was going to implode. I found myself at a crossroads. Do I continue to love and encourage my boyfriend to keep coming to church and continue to be disappointed and angry when he would go out and party? Or do I call it quits right now and save myself some pain? Deep in my soul, there was something telling me, keep fighting, don't give up on him. So I continued to bring him to church. Jake would ask a lot of questions, deep theological questions, such as why do bad things happen to good people? Or if God loves us, then why do people suffer? As a Christian, I realized how ill-equipped I was. I had a lot of head knowledge of the Bible, but I lacked in application and apologetics. I felt like I was way in over my head, but God was ready to show his faithfulness and goodness to me. In 2009, my brother invited my family and I to a Christmas service at the church that he was attending at the time, and I invited Jake to come along. At the end of the service, the pastor gave a prompting for anyone to receive Christ by standing up as a public profession of faith. And to my surprise, Jake stood up and gave his life to Jesus that night. I cried tears of joy and relief that night. For the, from then on, there was a change in Jake in his attitude, the way he treated me, as well as a growing hunger for the word. Shortly after Jake gave his life, for, uh, gave his life to Christ, we graduated high school, and I began attending Wofford College on a golf scholarship. Jake was attending USC Upstate and got plugged into the local chapter of Baptist Collegiate Ministries, also known as BCM. When we were off from school, we continued to be active at Brushy Creek with the college group here that reaped a harvest that we are still incredibly grateful for. They strengthened our faith and started the foundation of several friendships with fellow believers that we uh, that we still are close with today. However, sin began to find new ways to manifest in our lives. Sexual sin became our next hurdle that Jake and I needed to overcome. Jake and I had begun talking about marriage during our freshman year of college. We began to seek counsel from several ministers as well as couples who got married at a young age. So in May of 2011, at the ripe old age of 18, we got engaged. The original timeline was to wait two years before getting married so we could get the majority of our school done. However, with the idea of marriage now coming to fruition, so did the desire for sex. Shortly after we got engaged, we gave into temptation. We had true conviction about the sin, and in order to honor God, we decided to move up our wedding date. We took the words of Paul that he wrote in 1 Corinthians 7, 9 seriously. If they do not have self-control, they should marry, since it is better to marry than to burn with desire. Around this time, Jake had started to get plugged in here at Brushy Creek with what was formerly known as Life Hurts, God Heals, which we call today the landing, which is the teen recovery. He would talk about how he would get the opportunity to share his story with students, and he was genuinely excited about being a part of this ministry. I was intrigued because Jake had never shown this level of passion for something church-related up until this point. Our youth pastor and the landing ministry leader, Jeremiah, had been asking me if I would be willing to start leading worship on Monday nights for the youth. About six months later, I began leading worship for the landing and joined the leadership team. I had never been a part of a ministry like this. I'll be honest, I didn't think CR or the landing was meant for longtime churchgoers like me. But the longer I stayed, the, the more I realized that I needed the same Jesus, the same higher power that every other sinner needs. 
In August of 2011, I started my first step study and I learned so much about myself, a lot more than I bargained for. I began to realize that just because I had been going to church my whole life and knew the right answers, it didn't mean that I was immune to struggles or sin. For those of you who have completed a step study, you know that step four can be a doozy, which is your spiritual inventory. Um, It was when I completed my inventory that I began to see how codependent behaviors began as something small, but grew bigger and bigger over time. It started with me being picked on, to doing whatever it took to make and keep friends, to trying to fix and ultimately control Jake. Thank goodness for Jesus who redeemed my life and taught me that walking in relationship with him is so much sweeter than the approval of man. Fast forward to five years later, Jake and I I had been married for four years at this time. We had a one-year-old and another baby on the way. I had just come on staff at Brushy Creek as a worship leader, and Jake was working as an estimator and office manager for his dad's company. We were both actively serving in the youth group and Celebrate Recovery. We were serving the Lord, and life seemed to be going great. In August of 2016, we had the opportunity to go out to Saddleback Church for the summit, which is what Josh was talking about, um, which is the Celebrate Recovery Conference in Lake Forest, California. We were soaking in as much as we could about Celebrate Recovery, ready to come back here and implement some new initiatives and bring a fresh new energy to our CR. What I didn't know is that Jake was continuing to struggle with his depression heavily while on this trip. For the second time in his life and the first time in our marriage, Jake mentioned the word suicide to me. It wasn't until this recent, uh, it wasn't until recently that Jake shared with me that he had written a note and had poured out all of his depression meds into his hand, ready to take them all. But the Lord spoke to him and stopped him from doing it in that moment. I'll be honest, hearing Jake say that he wanted to end his life was a lot to take in. We were at a conference for a ministry we loved and that God was doing great things in. What could he possibly be depressed for? As much as I really wanted to, I knew that fixing him was not going to help him. So I just decided to listen. I was no better of a human and no better of a sinner than he was. So I had no right or the means to fix him. It's true that the darkest of times can either destroy people or bring them closer together. After consulting our family doctor, Jake was diagnosed as clinically depressed, as well as having sleep apnea and high blood pressure. He also struggled with the after effects of a car accident that we didn't realize had any negative effect on him. We clung to each other like never before, and the Lord was so gracious to us to give us rest and incredible peace. And I believe it was to prepare us for what was going to happen in the next few months. In December of 2016, right before Christmas, Jake was unexpectedly fired from his job. Jake was our main source of income, so we were scared. We were afraid of losing our our house and not being able to feed our one-year-old. My biggest fear was my husband slipping back into suicidal thoughts and going through the pain he went through four months earlier. I couldn't fathom us going through all of, I couldn't fathom us going through that all over again. All we could do was pray for the Lord's provision and look at our finances in depth. Principle three of Celebrate Recovery says this, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Looking back at that December, I was dealing with my codependency head on. 
When Jake lost his job, I immediately began to think of how I could fix the situation because in my mind, if I do something, everything will be better. I found myself battling with my heart and mind and being seven months pregnant at the time and unable to get a full-time job, I fully, truly felt hopeless. According to principle three, I'm supposed to commit myself to the Lord and let him take care of our situation. That December allowed me to understand this and put it into action. Since then, Jake and I have been relying on the Lord for our physical, spiritual, and emotional needs while being diligent and intentional with our finances and our lives. We communicated with each other about how we were feeling. We prayed together a lot. We sought counsel. We also took an honest look at our finances and realized that we had our priorities way out of whack. We committed our finances to the Lord, and it has been amazing to see how God has multiplied our resources when we were in need, just like when Jesus fed fed the 5,000. Despite having half the income we once had, we were able to make our bills as well as pay off debt. Our finances alone have been a testimony of God's faithfulness and provision. He has been gracious and merciful to us, and there has never been a time in our marriage where we have felt closer to the Lord and to each other. Jake and I still discuss everything with intentionality. Though some days are better than others, we hold tight to Jesus and to each other. God has been faithful to reveal himself to us when we can't see clearly, to provide just in time, and to give us the strength to walk in his will. Um, I did not mention this earlier, but um, when Jake and I got married, he stopped school and went to work full-time so he could provide for us while I finished out uh, my degree at USC Upstate. So um, this past August in 2020, Jake officially completed his Bachelor's of Science degree in psychology from Liberty University and is now working on his Master's of Divinity degree to become a pastor. And to see him go from lost to being found has been an honor to witness. I love you, babe. I'm proud of you. Throughout 2020, which was a difficult year for all of us in some way, during quarantine and not being able to meet in person for church and CR has opened my eyes to a few things in my life. How busy I was, how little time I was spending with God and my family, and how much I disliked being home. I've had some anxiety about the future, about what church will look like. However, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He is near to the brokenhearted. I've spent more time with my kids. I've been home and actually happy about it. Throughout all of this, I've tried to cling to the mindset of Paul as he wrote to the church in Philippi while imprisoned. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4, 12 through 13. Over the past 11 years, Jake and I have continued to serve at Celebrate Recovery, and we love it. I have come to the realization that despite my background in church, I have always needed recovery and always will. I'm so thankful for Celebrate Recovery because it has allowed me to identify my codependency triggers. Even on the Mondays that I don't want to be here, I still show up, and the Lord is so faithful to remind me that I always need him and his word. Step one says we admitted we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors that our lives had become unmanageable. I never considered my people pleasing or codependency as an addiction per se. 
I had always thought that an addiction was something that you were physically addicted to, like drugs or alcohol. But Webster defines addiction as being strongly inclined or compelled to do, use, or indulge in something repeatedly. I was addicted to the approval of people, and I disguised it as intentionality. I would do anything for people to like me, even if it meant harm to me. I would do anything to fix people because it was my job as a believer, right? I'm supposed to do that. Wrong. As a believer, I was made to love God and love people. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that he could fix us and so we could be made right with him. Romans 5, 6 through 11 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved in his life? And not only that, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Through CR and scripture, I realize that there is nothing and there is nothing that can make me good enough for God to love me more. God loves me despite my sin, and he loves you too. For the first time guests that's here, I'm so proud of you for coming. For the person that's been coming here for a while now, I'm so proud of you for coming back. And I encourage you to keep coming back. CR won't work unless you work it. The steps work, and my life is a testament to that, and I'm so thankful for that. Thank you for letting me share. I really hope that that encouraged you today. Um, you know, sometimes hearing someone else's story puts things in perspective in your own life, and that's really just God working through somebody else to teach you something. So I hope that my story uh, has uh, allowed you to at least start thinking about your own life and about your own testimony, um, whether you know Jesus at all. Um, that could be the starting point of like, who's this dude that she keeps talking about? Um, for you, I challenge you to find a Bible. They're everywhere and um, start reading. I recommend the Gospel of John and you'll find out very quickly who Jesus is. For those of you that have been in church for a long time and kind of know my the dy- dynamics of my story a little bit better than most, um, I hope that this challenges you and I hope that you look at your own walk and uh, go from there. For the person that's been walking with the Lord consistently and growing in your faith, I hope that this just encourages you even more so in your faith. So this is a great episode to be able to share with a friend, whether it's somebody that you know isn't saved or someone that's struggling in their walk and wondering, is this all worth it? Is being a Christian worth it? And I want to say that it absolutely is is worth it. So take time to share this episode with a friend. I'd also love it. This is just my little shameless plug, but um, I would love if you would go to Apple podcast and rate and review this for me. That would be amazing. Uh, There's a, a nice little algorithm that 
likes it when people give reviews. So I'm asking you as a friend to please take time to rate and review this podcast and be honest. I mean, you don't have to say, oh, she's just perfect because I know you're lying, but uh, be honest. And if this has encouraged you in any way, I'm so glad to hear that. And uh, I'm really thankful for you listening and taking time out of your day to to hear me talk on a little microphone. Um, not sure what's coming down the pipe for next episode. Still thinking up some stuff. Um, if you have any suggestions, feel free to message me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. You can look up the Lead to Lead podcast and shoot me a message. Um, but I will let you know when I've got more content coming out. But uh, until next time, we'll see you later.